You're listening to the Better Man Podcast, becoming life-giving men together. Are 20-somethings today extending adolescence or are they emerging as adults? That is the question. Welcome to Adulting. We're here with J.P. Pakluda. He's going to talk to us a little bit about the challenges of growing up in this chaotic and accelerated culture. And J.P., I need to hear everything you got to say because I have 10 grandchildren and I'm going to be trying to assist my kids and helping them grow up. Well, I feel like I owe you a lot because all I did was steal your content and repackage it, and now I have this book. So thank you. Thanks for thanks for paving the way before me. No, man, guys, how are y'all doing? It's so great to be on with you. Thanks for, for allowing me to jump on the podcast this morning. Yeah, it's great to have you. Yeah, you know, JP, uh, for our listeners who may not be familiar with you, um, you know, Welcome to Adulting, a best-selling book with, uh, with Baker Books. You've got a survival guide, which is a 42-day devotional that's just uh, come out in September of 2019 here. Um, tell us a little bit, though, about your journey. You, a lot of people may not realize that while you're the pastor of Harris Creek Church right now, you were leading at Watermark, The Porch, which was a huge gathering of millennials. Yeah. Yeah, it's been it's been just a crazy journey, as, as you called it. I mean, I was, I was raised in a small town, just a, a chump from Cuero, Texas, and uh, found my way to Dallas. The Lord ultimately uh, saved me uh, after college and then called me into vocational ministry five years later. And I kind of left my corporate job to go do that. I thought I was going to be setting chairs out at a church. And then one Tuesday, uh, they asked me to preach. Um, this guy was like, hey, I think you kind of understand these young adults, and which I did because five years ago, I was I was in the same bars that they were in and, and whatnot. And so... Um, I, I taught that night. We wrote a message together, and then I had the privilege of teaching uh, ever since. And so, as I did, uh, the Lord and His grace to me and kindness to me, uh, His Holy Spirit moved. It grew to the largest young adult gathering in the country. We had four thousand millennials there in Dallas, but then we had fourteen other campuses around the country that were watching live. Another fifty, sixty thousand, or up to a hundred thousand watching online. And, uh, and, and I say all that just because it, it really was a, an act and a movement of God. But getting to be a part of that, getting having a front row seat into the lives of the 20s and 30s-somethings, so much of ministry is just pattern recognition. You would see them make the same choices and get the same results, or this, you know, be it positive or negative, uh, have the same dating questions, the same career questions, the, the same financial questions. They were really dealing with some of the same pitfalls. And I would watch some that grew, grew up in the church and they just spin out. The wheels would fall off their life because after college, like your whole life, you just kind of, you know, you go from one grade to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. And then you graduate from college and it's just kind of like, what now? Like, this is it. Like, this is the real world. Like, this is what I worked so hard for. And so as I began to write down some of those patterns and pitfalls, it turned into this book, Welcome to Adulting. And then I saw, an after the book came out, you know, I, I don't think we, we knew how well it would do. Again, just God's grace and kindness to me. But I saw a need for uh, to help kind of incorporate the disciplines in, in young adults' lives, um, to, to teach us how to spend time with Jesus. And so that's when the 42-day devotional, the survival guide just came out. So, so kind J- of the background. And that's great. And by the way, congratulations 
on how God used you to reach so many. I mean, thank you, friend. I think for our listeners, uh, they should be awed by how far your reach went uh, out of Watermark to all these other sites. I mean, hundreds of well, thousands sh- of people were touched. They should be awed by thinking God used that junk in that way. Like, man, you can <laughs> use a donkey. He could use anybody. Wow. Well, he's got illustrations of that too. <laughs> well, I, yeah. I, you know, what I think for a lot of our listeners is I'm thinking about a lot of dads or grandparents yeah. who have younger kids that are sitting there going, what's wrong with these kids today? You know, why can't right. they figure it out? And, uh, you know, I, I've been in youth ministry for a majority of my ministry career and seeing the changes happening in the culture that, you know, a lot of people in a negative way would say, well, these guys are extending adolescence. They don't want to grow up. But really, there's like a new path to adulthood because this generation has faced uncertainty in a changing cultural climate like no other generation before them. What, what, are, you, what are you seeing in this generation? You know, help, that, help that grandparent, help that father of a 20-something who can't figure out what's wrong with their kid. Uh, help them kind of get a sense of what's going on out yeah, there. Yeah, because you were talking and, about the problem patterns you saw. Yeah, you yeah. Saw those yeah. What are those problem patterns and yeah. what are the solutions you're offering? Well, there's two things I want to say to that that grandparent or that that older parent is, you know, there's two things that are true and it seems like they sit in contrast to each other. And so one is there's nothing new under the sun. So a lot of their struggles are just like the struggles that they had. Okay. Struggles of insecurities, wanting to be liked, wanting to find a friend group, you know, wanting to make the grade, wanting to make the money, wanting to find a spouse and a good job and so forth and so on. These, these were there in the fifties and the sixties, you know, they've been there for a long time. But as you touched on Mark, there are also some, some new parameters to that problems on the peripheral of those problems. You have technology, you have temptations that are coming at you in a new way. You're, you're um, consuming more content, more information than ever before Uh, to go into more greater specificity. If in the 50s, if I wanted to look at, or I'll say the 60s, if I wanted to look at pornography, I'd have to embarrass myself, walk into the local gas station and purchase a magazine in front of everyone. And and now I have billions of images being streamed to the device that is in my pocket that I can look at at any time I want in between algebra class and, and economics. You know, it's it's sitting right there in my pocket. And so the problems that the older generation had in some ways have really grown uh, exponentially for these young adults. And the other thing I would want to say to the grandparent is I think there's temptation from Satan to believe that they don't want time from you. And they do. They want you to invest in them. Uh, they want mentors. They're, they're really desperate for um, for that that time. And so don't let your differences, the fact that they've got lines in their hair or skinny jeans or their shorts are too short or whatever that is, don't let those differences come in between you and, and prevent you from reaching out and saying, hey, let's go and you know grab a burger together and talk through this. I want to hear from you. I want to hear what it's like to be a 20-something in 2019 what what are you struggling with? Hey, what is what is your biggest fears today? And uh, and give them opportunities to open up to you because I, I think they want to. I think they're desperate for that. 
Yeah, there's a lot of stress too around career and jobs aren't the same as they once were either. Uh, what, what are you seeing with this younger generation and employment? Yeah, well, I think they're being lied to by the world. There's this lie out there that says, hey, follow your passion. And it, it sounds like good advice at face value, but the problem with following our passions is our passions constantly change. And so if you look in the rearview mirror, you followed your passions in and out of relationships, in and out of classes, in and out of majors, uh, in and out of, of career paths, and, and, and in and out of jobs, in and out of towns. And so our passions are constantly changing. And so I think there has to be something greater than passion to carry us through our career. Sometimes you have to push through the grind. And so as I talk to millennials about this, I'll often say, hey, they'll say, well, what job should I do? And I say, the job that's in front of you and do it with excellence and don't get stuck in this philosophical, is there something out there better for me and something else I should be doing? God in his sovereignty has placed you somewhere. So bloom where you planted. They say, well, what is my job? I'm like, that's easy. For the rest of your life, your job is to exceed the expectations of your employer. And so I don't, don't think about your responsibilities. Those are the day-to-day. That's, the, that's the, the barrier of entry. That's the price to sit at the table. Those are your responsibilities. But your job is ultimately to exceed the expectations of your boss. And then they say, well, does my work matter? To which I say, that's up to you. Because I don't care if you're serving coffee or, or you know, fighting in the military or driving an ambulance you know, or, or stapling papers, you get to decide how much your job matters with the perspective that you have. And so often these young adults will say, well, I think I need to change my job. And I'll say, no, you need to change your attitude. It's it, the problem's not your job. It's your perspective of your job. I don't think you see it of the internal significance that God sees it in when he says in Titus 2.10, work diligently so that you make the teachings of Christ our Savior attractive. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, there that uh, one of the biggest issues, I think, uh, the biggest lies out there it, as it pertains to career is just this idea that, hey, I've got to find the right job. I got to find, follow my passions uh, wherever they take me. And I said, man, sometimes you just need to work hard. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes there's <laughs> this, yeah, it's just, you guys got to make a living, you know? Hey, tell me, JP, what do you think some of the greatest misconceptions are of this younger generation? Because I, I hear a lot of times older generations say things about the younger generation. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, that's that's fair. Sometimes I'm like, I don't know. What what are you seeing out there? Yeah, just just that, you know, the older generation would say they're lazy. Um, the younger generation would say they're smart, you know, that they work smart, not hard. And, and they're right. I mean, they can, the older generation would work 10 years to, to store away a hundred grand and the younger generation will start a GoFundMe account and have it before lunch. And, <laughs> and so they're, they're using what's available to them to their advantage. And, you know, they say, well, they, they, they don't want to do anything with their lives. I would tell you, no, that's not true. They want to change the world. Uh, they just see it different than you. And so you, you want to understand how they see it. They, they want to work for a comp- They want to work for a cause that's bigger than themselves. Um, they care about the environment. And uh, so they're just, they're motivated somewhat differently than the older generation. I think once we find out how they're motivated, a lot of them will work really, really hard. And there is some reparenting that's going on in companies today. And that's where I think Welcome to Adulting can help. My son, uh, his roommate, his father sent my son and his roommate um, a copy of Welcome to Adulting. And I saw this 
young man's life trajectory change after having read it Hmm. Um, and kind of getting that. And we have a lot of young men in their 20s that are a part of the better man experience in our community. You know, obviously reading your book and, and being able to tap into that wisdom, very helpful. What would you encourage them to do as young men uh, you know, one or two things that they could maybe take action on today that might change the trajectory of their life. How would you encourage them? I would say, man, Mark, first of all, thank you for sharing that. That's really encouraging. And that's, that's why I wrote it. And any, any time I hear stories like that, it's just, it's like, Lord, thank you for yeah, allowing. No, I just need to get my friend to read it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think, man, we're really, we're really messing up manhood, which is something I know you guys are both passionate about. You know, I share that passion with you. Uh, we're really screwing up this deal with, with sexual sin right now. And so we like pornography is just kind of the air we breathe and, uh, and masturbation. And I don't think we really understand the monster that we're feeding that's growing. Uh, that's, that's, it, it desires to tear our marriage apart long before we even have a prospect of a wife. Mm. Um, it desires to have our children hate us a decade before our children are even born. And so we're feeding this, this monster inside of us that's growing, that's going to devour our lives later. And so to that guy, I would say, you know, um, Proverbs 4.23 is, is a famous verse, above all else, guard your heart, there's the wellspring of life. But it goes on and talks about how. It says, be careful what you look at. Be careful where you step. Be careful who you hang out with. You know, Be careful what you listen to. Uh, these are avenues to feeding your heart. And so I would say, you know, it says, it says some versions say, keep your heart with all diligence. Like, guard it like a military soldier. And uh, for some of those guys, I'd say, man, you need to get a flip phone. You need to get rid of your phone. They say, man, is that legalistic? I say, well, you know, Jesus said, gouge out your eye, cut off your hand. So if me <laughs> telling you to get rid of your phone is legalistic, <laughs> Jesus is the ultimate legalist. I, I, I I'll don't. Take, think I'll take they, the flip phone, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, give me, put away the saw and just give me a flip phone. So uh, that that's a big one, Mark. That's the first one that comes to mind because I spend so much of my time counseling young guys that are just in a really, really bad spot. And as we start pulling back the onion, pulling back the layers at the bottom of it is, is a really healthy addiction to, to, to internet pornography. And it's taken them to a really dark spot. And also I would just say initiative to young men. I'd say, Hey, take initiative. Um, you know, ask a girl out if you're single and you want to be married, you're in a place to date, be clear, use your words. Um, the, so those are some, some of the basics. Mm. Yeah, you know, the, I think we don't know how much the sexual sin has really, you know, impacting. I think yeah, it's hard to quantify. You know, when we did a, at Barna, we did a project with Josh McDowell Ministry on pornography. And among millennials, they were more likely to say that um, it was more immoral to not recycle than to view pornography. And that was a, you know, a, an interesting thing because that's a huge lie. When I look at this generation, I see how, um, anxious they are, the levels of depression that are being reported about some of these younger people, sometimes that's because their soul is making these sexual connections to, uh, in ways that they shouldn't be. And they don't even connect the dots between those behaviors. And I don't know if it's dangerous to, for me to do that as somebody who's not a, 
psychologist or psychiatrist, but as a spiritual uh, director and a pastor, I see that relationship uh, between their overall emotional health and the way they're just giving away and not protecting their sexuality. Do you see yeah. that? Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, a hundred percent. I think it's, man, it's one of the most terrifying things I think we're facing is what's coming in this sexually crazed culture. And it, in the other, it goes two ways, Mark. I think the other way that it goes is, is guys aren't even interested in girls. I mean, they, they would, they prefer the two dimensional counterfeit to any kind of mingling of soul that God has for us. And so we are settling, you know, as it says in Jeremiah, we, we would prefer to drink from the broken, muddy cisterns than from the wellspring of life that God has for us. And that that's terrifying too. Yeah. Sex without intimacy is, uh, is a dead end street for our soul. That's for sure. Yeah. When you prefer that, I mean, that's the crazy yeah. thing is when yeah. you get to a place where you prefer the the inanimate object to something full of life and love that's that's a real problem well you know church leaders are really struggling to reach this generation and you know one of the things that i see sometimes they almost try too hard to cater to them uh, and sometimes they're not catering to them enough. What, what have you learned, you know, kind of maybe the hard way that other pastors and leaders could benefit from in terms of how they're, you know, reaching this generation? Yeah. Well, I, I listen, I don't, I, I'm, I'm not about just selling books. I hate when somebody's doing a podcast and they just kind of pimp their book, but, uh, I, I, I do any resource I create. I want it to be helpful and I'll let you guys in on a, a little secret that's not so secret um, or won't be after this comes out is I actually wrote a book called Welcoming the Future Church that is is a resource that I, I it's, it's, own, it's to pastors and church leaders exclusively. And it just talks about how to reach this next generation. But, the, but some, some quick tips that I could give on this podcast it would be three things real quick. One would just be lead with authenticity. Uh, the, this younger generation doesn't want a, a replica of their favorite celebrity pastor. They want you and they want you to be real and they want you to talk honestly about your struggles. They don't need you to walk a, a foot above the, the world like you have it all together. They want to hear about when you don't, when you whiff with your wife, when you got in an argument, when you struggled personally. Uh, the second is, you know, expand their vision, come with a heroic vision. You, they want to be called to something bigger than themselves. So don't lower the bar. I think the worst thing that the church can do is lower the barrier of entry and say, Oh, will you please just show up, you know, and, and, and just, just please come, just please be there. Like that's the ask. Well, we just presently geographically be there. And, and I would say, no, man, you call them to come and die. You call them to be bivocational. You call them to come and serve, to be members, to be under the authority of the elders, to 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 give of their time, talents, and treasures to that place. They they want to be called the more, uh, not less. And then with that, the the third piece of advice I would say is just to deploy them, um, do ministry through people, not to people. And so look for opportunities for yourself to give the ministry away to capable leaders within the body. And I'm not talking about 
employees. I'm talking about lay leaders, a 20 something who has, you know, he's taken, maybe he's taken a, a half load of college or maybe he's got a part-time job or whatever that is, but he has time and say, Hey, will you start coming with me to these meetings? I want you to, to see how I handle this situation and, and give them opportunities to go and do it themselves. So I would say, you know, lead with authenticity, uh, expand their vision and, and deploy their resources. And JP, really what you're, what, what that resonates with me is that's what Jesus did. He didn't call them exactly. to easy. He called them to hard. He called that's them to exactly walk right. alongside. He deployed them even before they thought they were ready into the, the, the hard areas of life and, and, and told them they could do it. Yeah. And I think, I think this generation is wanting to be called up. Uh, and I, I love hearing you share that because I think pastors who are listening, uh, lay leaders who are listening, we need to, in some ways, take a radical step of restructuring the church where it's, it's not catering to, to low-level desires. It's challenging to the noblest of desires. And, and yeah. young people respond to that. Yeah, when, I don't know when we got there. Like, when did the church start lowering the bar so much? And just and the the biggest ask we could make of someone is just show up. I mean, Jesus, every time he would interact with someone uh, that I can think of, is it's this big ask. He constantly had big asks of us. He would say, "Hey, you know, follow, you know, throw down your nets and follow me." And the guy's like, "Why? Well, you know, hey, I want to follow you, but man, my dad just died." He goes, "Listen, you let the dead bury the dead." Mm-hmm. follow me somebody else is like hey i want to but let me go tell my family he says, listen foxes have holes and birds have nests but the son of man has nowhere to to lay his head in luke 18 you got this guy this really able-bodied you know rich young man who's over in charge of a lot of things affectionately called the rich young ruler and and he says what do i have to do to inherit eternal life and he says, obey all the rules. What do I have to do? What do you have to do specifically? You got to be perfect. And the guy says, I am perfect. And Jesus <laughs> says, okay, you think you're perfect. Sell everything you have, give it to the poor and follow me. And, and I mean, these are huge, enormous ass of young yeah. people. And, and so the, what do we translate that to 2019? Oh, you know, we just, we just show up. We just come, you know, most weeks, just mm-hmm. sit there, you know, keep the lights on. I won't ask much of you. And uh, just just be present. Yeah. You know, that, JP, I think what you just mentioned was the real work of reaching the generation. You know, people focus on smoke machines and coffee shops and skinny jeans and the right haircut. Um, and uh, not that aesthetics aren't important and experiences and atmospheres aren't important. But if you don't have those other things driving them, the other stuff is just false, right? Yeah, I would say the other stuff is much more important. Yeah, and so that's great. Like that, and that, that's something I, I talk a lot about is uh, don't don't overpromise and underdeliver. And so the overpromise is the smoke machines, the slit flyers, you know, the 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 Facebook marketing campaign or Instagram marketing campaign. That's where you spend all your resources, and they get in the room, and you don't give them anything. Mm. And I would say just take the two that show up. And give them all you got. Call them to Christ. Just, just 
read the Bible like you're reading on a deserted island and, and apply what it says. And those two will bring four and those four will bring eight and those eight will bring 16 and those 16 will bring 32 and so forth and so on. And your, your greatest marketing campaign is going to be lives that Jesus changes through your ministry. And so, you know, the Gerasian demoniac or the woman at the well, that's a great marketing campaign. That, that dude was in chains, living among the dead, cutting himself, and now he's clothed and in his right mind. Whatever he ate, that's what I want. You know? <laughs> and, uh, and so I, that, go. that's going to be your greatest marketing campaign. Uh, well, JP, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been great. I mean, I, I'm, I'm kind of challenged right now. Yeah. I, I feel like you just kind of just put a jolt of get out of your complacency, Matlock, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. Mark and I are putting our spurs on. Yeah. We're, going yeah. Out. we're like, we're like, we, <laughs> I think we set a low bar for ourselves right now. So, uh, but this is, this has been great. And I really hope an encouragement to, uh, young men that are out there listening, but also to their, their fathers and pastors. Uh, we have a generation of young men that need us and we need to be living into those challenges and we need to be being authentic as well. And so, um, uh, thank you for that, JP. The book is Welcome to Adulting and Welcome to Adulting, the Survival Guide, a 42-day uh, devotional. I encourage you to check those out as great resources mm-hmm. and keep your eye out for JP's next book coming out for leaders. Appreciate yeah, that. Thank, thank you guys so much. Thanks for having me. I'm so grateful for just the ways both of you have uh, gone before us and paved the way uh, to do ministry and just that you're, you're, you're doing ministry, you're making a difference. I'm encouraged by both you men. So thank you guys. Thanks, well, JP. This is the Better Man Podcast with Mark Matlock and Robert Lewis. Rate us on your favorite app, whichever you're listening to, and we appreciate that and share it with somebody. Somebody needs to hear uh, this conversation today in your life. Share it with them. And uh, you can always check us out at betterman.com. Hey, this is Mark Matlock with the Better Man Podcast. I just want to remind you to leave a review and subscribe to the Better Man Podcast on whatever platform you're listening from. If you're a church or organization leader interested in bringing a Better Man 10-week event to your community, go to betterman.com for information.